It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grimly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Ignition sequence start. The reason I'm prepared for this position is because I've been preparing for this all my life. As far as redacted, he's our guy. We still got redacted. Our goal is still to win a championship. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. Being in a win-now situation, that's great. I'm a win-now coach. Six, five, four, three. James Harden is no longer a Houston Rocket. What's up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every single day. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and the founder slash managing editor of ClutchCityControlRoom.com, your home for all things Houston hoops. You can follow me on Twitter at JT Gatlin, the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, as well as the blog at ClutchCityCR. Now, joining me here for this emergency Locked on Rockets podcast episode to just bask in the madness that has been the last, not even full 24 hours, what, like 12, 18 hours, 16 hours, whatever it's been. Taylor Pate, Apollo Houston's uh, local Rockets content creator. How's it going, Taylor? 
Oh, not too bad, man. Just uh, just living in the wake of the the post James Harden era. Yeah, and I feel like I'm I'm maybe a little bit too uh, over enthusiastic. I feel like maybe I should uh, tone it down a little bit because this might be kind of a uh, a mourning period of sorts for a lot of people. Um, but you know, this is first off, we gotta we gotta dial it, we gotta walk it back a little bit and just focus on what has been a really insane series of events. So obviously we have the the offseason mess. We have, you know, coming into the season, James Harden's late, all of the, you know, late for training camp, not putting his best foot forward after, you know, a really strong start to the season. And then we get what happened last night. And I've got to just go ahead and run this back because we, we've got to make sure that everybody's up to speed with exactly the words and how it looked last night. So let's run this video back really quick. Which is not good enough. Um, you know, we just, we don't, we don't, uh, obviously chemistry, talent wise, just everything. And it was clear, um, like I said, these last few games, um, they just, you know, from the, from the beginning of the game, they were just aggressive, uh, vet, veteran team, obviously, uh, championship team. And, um, you know, one of the best teams that we have in this league, um, you know, I love this city. Um, I literally, you know, have done everything that I can. Um, you know, I mean, this, this situation is, is, is crazy. You know, it's something that uh, I don't think can be fixed. So, um, yeah, thanks. It is, it is so wild to think that yesterday's Lakers game and these last few games where we've seen just arguably the worst version of James Harden that we've ever seen in a Rockets jersey is is how we'll remember him. That's, I mean, you know, at least this little final stretch. And we're going to talk about this, this trade package in just a moment and kind of break down some of the pros, the cons of what they were able to actually finally haul in for James Harden and putting an end to this saga. But Taylor, if you had to boil it down to just like, an, you know, maybe not an elevator pitch, but just your immediate reaction to how this is all played out to this very moment, where's your head at? Um, from the time that training camp started, um, and, and Harden showed up late, it kind of felt like, um, everybody's worst fears had kind of come to fruition. Um, everybody in the off season is thinking, you know, well, maybe they can convince Harden to stay. And even up, up into the beginning of the season, you know, there's, there's hope that that's going to happen. But then he shows up late. He's acting unprofessional. Um, he, he doesn't seem like he's, um, you know, all that in shape and he's just kind of strung out a little bit. Um, it, it became a very, very cold, hard truth moment. Um, and we've kind of seen the downfall from there. Yeah, it, it, it hasn't looked pretty. And, you know, again, in, in in all of this, I feel the worst for Steven Silas. I really do. Um, you know, finally gets a chance to coach his own team and and has to deal with and he's done an admirable job to to start. And so by extension, so have John Wall, Boogie Cousins, Christian Wood, the other guys, they've all been, you know, wildly professional throughout all of this. And now this is kind of, you know, again, there, there's going to be some good and some bad from this. Obviously, you're losing a top five player. This team is now, you know, not going to be at least in the immediate future in championship contention. Unfortunately, this is now the start of a Rockets rebuild. But at least you can finally a move on from the drama. These players get a chance to to actually 
like try and gel together with some legitimate chemistry and have everybody be bought in without somebody who, who is obviously, you know, holding them back and holding them hostage with his play in how James Harden has behaved the last, you know, handful of games since coming back from the ankle injury. Um, but talking about this trade package, um, so the Rockets come away with essentially the draft haul of the century. Um, they're coming away with four first round picks and four pick swaps all unprotected, which is just an unbelievable haul. Now, I know that, and some people are already commenting on it in the comments section, that the Rockets didn't come away with a young franchise cornerstone. But I don't think that's the end of the world when you look at exactly how much draft compensation they got. The fact that they are coming away with Victor Oladipo, who's an interesting piece. Um, he's not a young cornerstone type player, but he's on a an expiring deal. You could conceivably flip him for something more at the trade deadline this season. Um, or you could decide what you want to do with him this offseason, but he gives them a decent running mate to pair with John Wall in the Houston backcourt in the in the kind of intermediate phase. Um, I, you know, I'm not blown away by it. I do wish that they had gone after, you know, a Ben Simmons type or Jalen Brown or one of those other young cornerstone guys. But I think given how Harden accelerated the situation. This was kind of a best case scenario, all things all things considered. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, it, with the way that things went down last night, you kind of knew that there was going to be some like really quick movement on all this. Uh, there was no way that that they were going to keep Harden around and and keep the the toxicity going. You could see, you know, the it seemed to me like the um, the Rockets kind of used Boogie as a as a mouthpiece today in his presser. And kind of just you know spoke through him, uh, so to speak, um, and and the the compensation was never going to be enough, you know, to replace James Harden. It never is when you're getting rid of a star. Um, and, and so I think having as many shots at drafting a star as you can is probably your best bet. Um, and I think the the organization probably took a, a you know a good look at Ben Simmons. Um, they wanted Maxi in the deal. They wanted a lot, and it seems like Maury just wasn't uh, just wasn't willing to to pony up for for James Harden in this situation. Um, but that being said, um, Victor Oladipo is a really nice player. He's not a superstar, but he is he's good. Um, and and with all you know, in all likelihood, they can get uh, more draft compensation in return for him. Same for PJ Tucker. Um, and, and so it's, it's kind of an aggregation deal going forward, uh, where you're going to try to take as many shots as you can at the draft. Yeah. And speaking of PJ Tucker, you mentioned it just as we were going live, um, that Kelly Eco is already reporting that, uh, the Rockets have multiple teams interested in, in pursuing PJ Tucker. And I think that was an important distinction in, in keeping PJ out of the James Harden trade. A lot of people kind of had it uh, pegged that PJ would be included with James Harden wherever he wound up going. And I think it actually benefits them more that PJ Tucker is going to be a separate trade because now you're going to be able to get back, I would imagine, at least a first for PJ Tucker. I know that in, in a lot of people's eyes, he's had a bit of a down start to this season, um, but he's still a lethal three-point shooter. He's still going to be a an excellent piece for a contender um, and he's only on a one-year deal, You're right? The, you know, the fact that they didn't ink that extension for P.J. Tucker is huge because a team has a lot of flexibility with him where they can kind of 
you know, a contender can can float away a, a first round draft pick in this year's draft where it's going to be a late 20s kind of pick or even maybe an early second rounder possibly, um, you know, to take a flyer on half a season or three quarters of a season of P.J. Tucker if they're really, you know, competing for for championship aspirations. Now, you did mention the the Boogie Cousins uh, commentary this morning. And I do think it'd be fair to kind of run, run some of that back because Boogie was absolutely not pulling any punches. So let's hear what he had to say because he was uh, definitely quite a bit disgruntled about James Harden's commentary and how he was uh, behaving towards his teammates and the organization. The disrespect started way before, you know, any interview. Um, just the approach to training camp, uh, Showing up the way he did, uh, the antics off the court, I mean, the disrespect started way before. So uh, this isn't something that, you know, all of a sudden happened, you know, last night. But with that being said, like I said, this is the nasty part of the business. So um, it is what it is. Now, you know, obviously Boogie is not uh, Boogie's not one to mince words. And, you know, uh, we got the news that James Harden wasn't uh, reporting to practice today. And a lot of people immediately came to the conclusion that had James Harden reported to practice, that Boogie Cousins might have uh, dusted him on site, which uh, I wouldn't put it past Boogie Cousins to incite a little bit of uh, something, something with his overt gesturing, which he is uh, ever so fond of during basketball games. But uh, I, I want to know, for those of you tuned in right now, listening, uh, following along, you know, hanging out in the chat, if you had to sum up, if you had to boil down all your feelings about what you've got going on right now in your head into one word, what is it? Are you angry? Are you sad? Are you disappointed? Are you happy? Are you relieved? How are you feeling right now? I want to see some reactions in the chat. Um, and, and I'm also going to try something a little bit interesting later on. I want to pull people in. So if you've got something to say, if you want to voice your opinions about, you know, how you're feeling about this trade, shoot me a DM right now on Twitter. I'm going to invite, uh, you know, one or two people to join Taylor and I on here and kind of share your thoughts about where this team is at, what's going on, how this trade uh, is, you know, impacting how it's setting them up for the future. And Taylor and I are going to keep discussing things because there's so many different angles that we can get in on from this trade uh, about, you know, potential uh, potential trades to then kind of build off of this one, where the team goes from now, how things are going to look without James Harden in the mix. And we're going to get there in just a moment after a quick message from our friends over at Headspace. So, look, I mean, it's a new year and sometimes with the new year, you try and start a new new routine. Um, you know, trying to get your body and mind right to, to kind of stick to those New Year's resolutions. And Headspace is something that can help you achieve that. It's your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy to use app. It's the only meditation app advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever your situation is, Headspace really can help you feel better. Maybe you're just a little overwhelmed. Headspace has a three minute SOS meditation just for you. Maybe you need help falling asleep. Headspace has a wind down session that their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has morning meditations that you can do with your kids. So if you're interested, go to headspace.com slash locked on MBA. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-M-B-A. And, uh, you know, check them out. They've got a one month free trial with, with Axpace to access to Headspace's full library of intensive meditations, relaxation therapies, all of that. So definitely go check that out. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, 
helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Now, continuing on here at Locked On Rockets, Taylor, as far as this trade goes, first off, I kind of want to know, I mean, looking at these draft picks, it's really nice, first off, to see that that Rafael Stone continues to impress as the Rockets general manager, the fact that he was able to get all four of these uh, draft picks and all four of the pick swaps unprotected. As far as Rafael Stone's tenure right now, I mean, he's got, I mean, like, where are we, where are you kind of ranking him right now? I guess not ranking him, but just has he impressed you? Are you still kind of holding back a little bit of judgment? Um, you know, where's your head at regarding Stone's performance so far? Yeah, I mean, I would say that uh, I have I have a mild level of um, of of being impressed with Raphael Stone. Um, it's a little too early to say entirely, just because we don't know how he's going to draft, um, and that's the important part of having these picks. But uh, at least getting the picks that's a huge deal. And um, the the Russ and John Wall trade, I mean, you you netted a pick and the better player, mm-hmm. um, and then you know you you set up. Um, the the Robert Covington deal to get Christian Wood, and you managed to sign Christian Wood. Not to mention Stephen Silas. Um, so overall, I mean, yeah, he's he's um, he's certainly put himself in a position to uh, to be a great successor to Daryl Morey. Now, you know, I, again, there there's so many different emotions that I'm kind of uh, kind of throwing up on the screen right now. Uh, again, we've got people who are, you know, conflicted, um, in pain, sad, all, all of these different one word emotions going on right now. And this was something that you and I talked about a little bit before going live. But, you know, it feels like you and I have kind of moved on past this already. And I feel like there's a lot of people that are kind of in that same boat where we knew that this was a possibility coming to the season. We knew that James Harden's, you know, heart and mind weren't set on Houston, that he wanted to leave. And so it's almost like finally just, you know, getting that chance to pull the Band-Aid off and just finally move past things and allow, uh, you know, this this franchise a chance to move forward, allow James Harden to move forward. And you got this, you know, beautiful draft package back, uh, you know, to to set yourself up for the future. But as far as James Harden goes... I kind of did an ode to James Harden late last night, uh, just kind of reminiscing on some of the good times here in Houston. Is it fair to say that like, because I personally think I'm going to, I'm going to, obviously this, this ending is disappointing and it's not how anybody would have wanted this to pan out, but I'm still going to be able to look back on all the success that Harden had with Houston and still appreciate that version of James Harden and kind of separate the two into two separate, two separate people. You get what I'm saying here? Yep, absolutely. Um, where where's your where are you at with that? I I'm going to look back fondly on on James Harden's tenure as a Rocket because prior to James Harden, you're in, I mean, worse NBA purgatory than you are right now. Um, you know, you you acquire James Harden um, at the time. Jeremy Lin's a fun, exciting thing, but you know, James Harden comes in in his first game and he shows you immediately he's a star. Um, you, you know, you take the best team probably that's ever existed to uh, to seven games and probably are one hamstring away from from beating them. Um, I mean, yeah, it hasn't ended well, but my gosh, has it been fun? I wouldn't trade it for for, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't trade it for a, a bunch of eighth place, seventh place finishes. 
Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, I was kind of looking back on that little period of time where the where the Rockets were kind of stuck in that you know that treadmill of media mediocrity area with the you know the Kyle Lowry, Kmart, Louis Scola, the post Tmac Yao era, and the the good news is is that at least everything is set up you know in that in that post Tmac Yao era they didn't have the benefit of jump starting a rebuild and i think that's what's so important about this right now is they're not caught in in no man's land right if 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 harden had just been able to walk this past off season and and just leave the organization high and dry um very similar to what kevin durant did to the oklahoma city thunder when he left for golden state um then that puts you in a really really awkward spot to try and make anything happen and on top of that they had the added issue of needing to recoup the draft assets that they forfeited in the Russell Westbrook trade. So for Rafael Stone to be able to turn around, facilitate the trades that he has, recoup assets, put together this younger core of guys with some exciting young names. Obviously, Christian Wood, the biggest one. Jay Sean Tate has been a pleasant surprise for many people. Um, David Nwaba is not, you know, not on the super younger end, but he's just, you know, another at the margins kind of fine. Although I think we still have to attribute that one to Daryl Morey, um, whether you think that's unfortunate or not. But uh, sorry, I had to, I had to shout out David Nwaba because you're rocking the Nwaba Dabi yeah, yeah, shirt, um, courtesy of Apollo Houston. So, and I've got mine on right now as well. So if you're if you're interested, you can actually go check out ApolloHOU.com. Um, and if you actually go there and use promo code locked on H O U, uh, you can get a 10% discount on any merch you decide to pick up. So definitely want to go check that out. Uh, Apollo Houston, good friends of the show. Now, um, you know, we've got, we've got people in here that are concerned uh, about, uh, about not getting a franchise cornerstone. We've got people who are excited about the future. I'm, I'm still on the fence about whether or not getting a franchise cornerstone was necessary in this deal because again, you can look at what Victor Oladipo has and look at his contract situation. And one thing that Ben DuBose floated earlier on Twitter was maybe the possibility of at the deadline floating Victor Oladipo and a draft pick or two to the nuggets for MPJ. Now that's just one variation of a deal. You know, are the nuggets going to just laugh and hang up the phone? Maybe, but possibly there's a team out there that would be interested in some or a few of the players that the Rockets still have on the roster. And then you're able to flip those guys and maybe some of that lick, uh, you know, uh, liquid draft capital into that future young franchise cornerstone. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the problem that kind of existed there was who was the cornerstone that was going to, that, that, that a team was going to give up in a James Harden trade if they knew that he wasn't going to be, uh, you know, if he if he was going to be unhappy when he got to their team, what team was going to be willing to give something up? The only teams that were, you know, like uh, for sure going to be on Harden's list were Brooklyn and Philadelphia, and obviously those are the two teams that it came down to. Um, ben Simmons, you can call him a, a franchise cornerstone, and he he probably is to an extent, but there is a ceiling there. Uh, there are concerns there, and you know. You're not, you just, you weren't necessarily going to get a franchise cornerstone out of this deal. And I think that's the, that's the hard thing to walk away from is everybody here in Houston. And obviously there's going to be some, you know, some red tinted glasses on, on everything going on when you're a Houston fan wanted to get back a franchise cornerstone. And I think based on how Harden kind of exacerbated the situation with his commentary last night, it, 
it forced things to be expedited to a point where they couldn't get the exact optimal deal, but they still walked away with one hell of a draft haul. And that's the important takeaway from this is they didn't, they didn't get, you know, Rafael Stone didn't get bent over the barrel by, by Daryl Morey or by the Brooklyn Nets. He still walked away with a really, really enticing package. Um, now I will say somebody else is pointing out the fact that the Rockets could have walked away uh, could have still taken on Jarrett Allen in this deal. Now, I will say that's an area that's disappointing me is we've kind of seen Christian Wood struggle a bit at the five spot. He's just not quite big enough to bang with some of those other legitimate fives in the league. And bringing back Jarrett Allen to Houston, uh, you know, a guy who played Texas State, right? You know, would have been cool to to have him and Christian Wood be kind of your your four or five lineup for the foreseeable future. So I wonder what the what the reasoning was there, what the logistics were there, and why that didn't quite pan out. Um, as far as how that deal could have potentially shifted or been constructed, would you have wanted to see something shift differently, or are you pretty much happy with how it played out? Um, that's that's a little tough. I, I think Jared Allen's a you know he's a really good player. He's got a lot of potential. Um, I my whole thing is I've been pretty consistent on. I like Christian Wood at the five. I just want him to get more minutes there and get more of a repertoire, um, like like you know, against NBA starting centers. Yeah, um, and, and I want him to to bulk up a little bit, uh, not a lot. I don't want him because his advantages are going to be best suited uh, at the five. If you put him at the four, uh, I feel like you put you you kind of mitigate some of what he gets an advantage uh, at being at the five. Um, so, I I do think maybe the the player composition could have been a little bit different. Maybe they could have taken Allen and flipped him. Um, but I'm not, I'm not too disappointed. Coming up. I want to, uh, we're actually going to reach out. We're going to bring on a uh, fellow uh, locked on host from over at uh, locked on nets to kind of get a bit of a nets angle on things. Just a quick reaction uh, over there. And then we'll also kind of, uh, we're going to, circle around and do those. Uh, I want to get some of the fan reactions to have a few people who have DM that I'm going to invite in and, and, and bring in to kind of share your thoughts, feelings about what all's going on uh, after a quick message from our friends over at betonline.ag. Now look, uh, Taylor, are you, are you a betting guy? Uh, I, I am a, a big poker player. Um, I'm kind of a gambler. Yeah. Um, oh, well, I, I, this is, you know, the cool thing about bet online is it is, it, look, you've got, we've got, NFL playoffs here, you know, right around the corner. We've got NBA basketball in full swing. And there's really only one place here at Locked On that we trust and one place that has you covered head to toe in, in online betting, and that's betonline.ag. And if you sign up today right now uh, at betonline.ag, you can use our promo code Locked On L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus with your very first deposit. Now, you may not be able to vote on or to, to bet on James Harden's futures anymore. Uh, that is uh, that is now out the window as he has formally been traded. That was my, my favorite prop bet to throw out there uh, when talking about bet online, but there's still plenty of great games to throw some money on throughout this season, throughout the NFL playoffs. Uh, so it's important. Don't, don't sit on the sidelines anymore. You know, you can get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code locked on. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. So be sure to check out bet online, your online sportsbook experts. 
We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Now, going to our final segment here at Locked on Rockets, uh, I, I'm, we're still hearing a lot from you guys in the chat. Um, I've got a couple invites I need to send out over here, but I want to get this first invite sent out because we're going to pull in fellow Locked on host. I gotta, I'm producing and talking here, so this is, uh, this is frustrating. I'll tell you what, Taylor, can you carry the show for two seconds? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. What's going on, chat? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So um, I kind of wanted to just... Uh, bring up a few of Victor Oladipo's stats just because he's really a better player than um, I mean than some of the stuff that you could have gotten back. Um, I guess it was you'd be comparing Karis Levert and uh, and Victor Oladipo at this point since um, they were kind of swapped for one another. Uh, so uh, Oladipo is currently shooting thirty six point two percent from three, which is uh, the second best of his career, and he's taking a career high seven point seven. Um, so that's encouraging. He's also uh, shooting 43.3% on catch and shoot threes. Also really good. And he's really good above the break, which is something that the Rockets kind of lack currently. Um, oh, I'd, agree. Really, I'd agree with that 100%. Uh, above yeah. the break shooting is uh, is not the current Rockets forte. It's uh, not at all. Ugly. It's, it's Ben McLemore and that's about it. Yeah, that's that's not good if, if Ben McLemore is your only above the break three point shooter. I think I, I don't remember his numbers right off the top of my head, but at least it feels like John Wall has been at least attempting some above the break threes. But when you when you're stuck with just all these guys who are essentially corner three point shooters in, in PJ Tucker and the non shooters and David Nwaba and Jay Sean Tate, it's just looked like a really clunky offense. So you're absolutely right. Getting getting Victor Oladipo in who out. Shout out Don Knock, who who brings up a really good point. House is good above the break, um, but that's, House that's hasn't missing. played. That's been missing since since uh, his his injury, and then uh, and I guess now COVID protocol. I mean, it, and that that's that's something else that this team has just been plagued with. Is right, you're you're looking around, and there was there was a chance for this team to come out and make a little bit of noise. Uh, I still I still maintain that on paper, the talent level for this team coming to the season was. Uh, better than the past two seasons. I really still feel that way, even though it hasn't translated to wins. And even though even though James Harden didn't buy in and has now been traded, um, the talent level on paper just looked a lot better than what they'd had in previous seasons. Uh, and it's just disappointing that it didn't pan out that way. But now you get Victor Oladipo in to be the backcourt running mate to John Wall. Uh, presumably, once House is healthy, you'd have a starting lineup of John Wall, Victor Oladipo, Daniel House Jr., um, Jay Sean Tate? Like if PJ Tucker Maybe. gets moved, like does Jay Sean Tate get the starting nod? Chat, what do you think? Does Jay Sean Tate get the starting nod if PJ Tucker gets moved? Yes or no? I want to I want to see the reactions to this one. Um, I really like that from a from a playmaking perspective. Um he, yeah. he brings he brings a whole lot more playmaking than PJ does. Um and it's it's been really exciting to see him, you know, not just you know, hustling on defense and getting steals and stuff like that. But also, you know, on the offensive end, he's been kind of a, a force uh, when he has the ball. You know, he's got really good knowledge around the basket. He's he's good at uh, making the right pass. He knows the offense already. It's kind of been exciting to see. 
Shout out, uh, shout out my guy, Zach Zola. Um, if he doesn't, if Jay Shante doesn't get the starting nod, we riot. Um, I'm right there with you, Zach, for sure. Uh, I, I think Jay Shante has, has thoroughly impressed. Um, and that would be something, right, to go from the oldest team in the league to having two starting, you know, young players in, in Jay Sean Tate and, and Christian Wood, uh, two 25 year old guys starting in the, in the starting lineup after God, this, it's really tough to see how this team has, has just changed so much over just the last year, not even, not even over the last, like two years, three years, just over the last year alone, how different this team looks. And it really is the ushering in of a new age of Rockets basketball. There's no more Mike D'Antoni. There's no more Daryl Morey. Uh, there's no more James Harden. Like it's, it's all, it's all gone. And now, you know, after you move on from PJ Tucker and Eric Gordon, then you've really completely ushered in a new age of Rockets basketball. Yeah. And uh, it's actually kind of cool how they, they, not only did they jumpstart their rebuild, so to speak, with um, with the picks that they got, you know, in this uh, in this trade, but they also kind of started their rebuild with Christian Wood and Jay Sean Tate being 25 rather than you know 21 or or 19 uh, and completely fresh and and haven't you know not having professional basketball experience and stuff like that. These are guys that have kind of been around the block a little bit, um, and it kind of speeds up that process a little bit for you. Yeah, and uh, again, this this all circles back to Rafael Stone, who was really trial by fired when he became the Rockets GM, and you know the decisions that he's made to this point. It was really impressive how he was kind of straddling the fence because he had to play both the hand of okay, James Harden could be out the door any moment, um, or James Harden could be bought into what we're trying to do here. And we need to field a a competitive roster to at least give ourselves a chance to convince him to stay. And the fact that he was able to do that um, and put together a roster that, again, it, it just it didn't translate to wins. But I really feel like there's so many variables that that went against this team throughout these first nine games. Uh, the the, bi- the biggest one of which can be pointed to is just the COVID protocols, holding out Boogie, holding out uh, Gordon and Wall for those first. Uh, two games that they lost, unfortunately. Then, you know, you postpone the first game, which by and large would have been maybe not an easy win against the Thunder, but the, you know, the Thunder are largely pegged as a team that's not going to be a playoff team. Um, and, you know, th- then you get further down the line, James Harden, you know, starts playing in neutral, starts, you know, kind of half-assing it a little bit. It becomes frustrating to watch. It becomes almost unbearable to watch. And it's kind of, I, I saw some people referring to it as kind of a, a self self fulfilling prophecy on James Harden's part, where he believed that this team wasn't going to be good enough this off season, and he came in with that same mentality and decided that it was just he wanted to make it come true. So he didn't put his best foot forward, and I guess in the end he ultimately got what he wanted because now he's teamed back up with Kevin Durant in Brooklyn. Still don't know what Kyrie Irving's doing. Um, any takes on Kyrie? Yeah, so. I think um, a very interesting point with Kyrie Irving is if he does decide to leave the Nets, that very much improves the picks that the Rockets just got. Um, Especially, you know, both Durant and Harden can opt out of their deals next year. Um, There's a, there's a decent chance that the latter half of these picks are, are really good picks. Yeah, and I mean, and and who who better than to help us kind of break down things from the Nets angle really quick than uh, Adam Armbrecht from uh, Locked on Net Locked on Nets. Adam, how's it going, man? We got you. 
Yeah, man. Thanks for uh, bringing me into it. I apologize. I'm coming from a, a, a remote bunker somewhere out in the woods. But hey, it's okay. It's it's fine. okay, man. I did I did my reaction from a remote bunker known as my car because I uh, was having lunch when when the news broke. So yeah. um, you got to do what you got to do. So Adam, just give us your initial reaction on the, on this deal and kind of where you're coming at from a Nets angle. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's an all-in push, obviously, for the Brooklyn Nets, right? Um, if we want to operate on the assumption that at some point Kyrie Irving is back on the court for the Brooklyn Nets, this is the best collection of three players, arguably, in the entire league, maybe uh, ever. You know, if not going back to some really obscure references, uh, you know, the 70s and stuff, talking about quality of players. I just, there's a lot going on around this organization right now. So... It's hard to gauge if this is a a push in vain of wanting a championship this year with, with Kyrie and KD and now with James Harden. If this is a panic in reaction to what might be going on with Kyrie Irving. Uh, so at the end of the day, man, if you're a Nets fan, enjoy the fact that you're going to be competing for a title. I, this is the all-in, sell your soul for the ring. You know, and then we, and we knew this coming into it. We knew this when you made the move for Kyrie and then you got KD as well. That's what that represented. And this is just another step in that direction. So uh, you and I, Adam, spoke you know, before the season tipped off and we kind of talked about this James Harden situation and how, how we both thought things would play out. Now, could you would you have imagined that it would have gotten to this point where things got so toxic with the Rockets organization that Harden had to force his way out uh, with a goodbye speech at the podium after a pair of really uh, disappointing back-to-back losses against the Lakers. Would you have pictured this happening? And um, do you have any any reservations about Harden's demeanor, behavior, the way that he forced his way out of Houston and is now on the Nets? Because that's, that's kind of something I've heard some people talking about is Harden has kind of shown his hand as to what his character is like now. So is that a concern or are you just concerned with James Harden, the basketball player, becoming a Brooklyn Net? Yeah, I think all you can be with is concerned about what he is on the court for you. You know, you can make the case that this is the first experience with Harden as far as having any issues around an organization. There's off the court stuff for that organization. And then there's the on the court results, too. Uh, You know, you'd like to think that him coming to the Nets team where still, even as he walks in the door, Kevin Durant is the best player there. He's the leader on this roster. But I don't know if, if he's the guy that's going to control any of them. This will play itself out. If Harden doesn't want to get off ball sometimes, if he wants to get his expected looks, maybe that that resonates in a different way. But uh, li- listen, Doug has said this too on the podcast. We're of the mindset of you take things at face value and it just looks like the time had run out. And let's be fair, you guys would say too that it's not as though Houston has always been – on point in regards to how they've organized the organization and maybe even arguably what they've done around James Harden to put them in a position to win a championship sooner. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. Um, and I've got, I've got one more, we've got a chat question for you actually um, about, uh, about comparing the the nets to the Celtics. So I'll let you uh, tackle this one. Uh, where, where do you think they stand now after this trade has uh, been consummated? Well, as far as matching up with them, uh, we'll, we'll go matching up or just kind of head to head. Like, where, like, where are you at as far? Cause I mean, obviously the nets, you know, sitting at uh six and six last I checked, you know, had some, ha- we're having, you know, a fair bit of issues, um, you know, going on. So does this make them the favorites out East? Where, where's your head at regarding that? Yeah. Here's the problem is that when we talked about this going back to, I think even when we, when we discussed Houston and, and the initial speculation around it, does this make you a better offensive team? Of course it does. 
Are there any other teams that are going to be able to run with you in the same way from a scoring perspective? Probably not. But the Nets still live in this world where they don't have tremendous size. This trade involves eventually, you know, it's Karis LeVert moving on. It's uh, Jared Allen being removed from this equation. We just came off a game where DeAndre Jordan was benched for the entire game. And we thought, finally, the signal that the Nets are moving away from the, you know, the debacle that has hit at the five. He now apparently is going to be prominent, potentially, right? Unless the Nets are going to make additional moves here. So I, it makes them the favorites maybe to come out of the East, which is pure firepower. But there's, you know, there's going to come tests there. You know, defense picks up in the playoffs. People, you know, most players don't execute as hard as they can on that end of the floor until it really counts. So, you know, in the best world, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, these guys are not elite defenders. I don't know what we look like on that end of the floor yet when you talk about getting through an Eastern Conference Finals, getting to the finals and having to take on a team like the Lakers. Mm. Those size problems are going to loom large, at least in the short term right now. And I assume that there's other things that are going to happen here with this roster. All right, Adam. Well, I appreciate you swinging by to give us a bit of uh, insight on the Nets side of things. Now, uh, go ahead and, you know, because anybody who wants to, you know, continue following James Harden and his career post Houston, they're going to have to absolutely be following you guys over at Locked on Net. So tell everybody uh, who to follow, what to do to, uh, to be able to keep up with James Harden moving forward. Yeah, buddy. Fellow brethren on the Locked on Podcast Network. You can uh, follow myself at Adam Marbrecht on Twitter, at Doug Norrie, my co-host on the Locked on Nets podcast, follow the, at Locked On Nets on Twitter as well for all the episode drops. And then wherever you get your uh, podcast needs fulfilled, man, subscribe. We're going to be diving into this deep later today and then unfolding what this roster looks like going forward in Brooklyn. Uh, I guess it's thanks, right? Th- thanks for the <laughs> You know, yeah, you know, you're, you're, you're absolutely welcome. Thanks. Uh, no, but like legitimately, you know, take care of him. You're going to have a lot of people uh, coming for coming for your wig uh, with uh, with James Harden and uh, and just the fact that they dislike the way that he plays. And uh, I'll tell you what, if you ever need a James Harden expert, you guys know who to reach out to. All right. There you go, man. Thanks a lot. All right. Have a good one, Adam. All right. So we got our got our Nets angle in there. Now, um, we've got a few more questions that have popped up over here. Uh, and Taylor, I didn't mean to sideline you to be able to uh, to do that Nets angle of things, but uh, got got to got to bring in the uh, the rest of the uh, locked on network and kind of uh, make sure that we're you know touching base on all things over there, because I'm, I'm fully expecting a lot of people to want to keep up with James Harden post Houston career. Are you going to be keeping up yeah. with what he's doing? Like, I mean, like, are you going to be invested in what he's doing or? I don't know how invested I'll be, but I'll definitely be following. I mean, you know, I'm I'm gonna check scores on games. I'll probably, you know, watch the at least the nationally televised games. Um, and, and you know, at the end of the day, like like that dude brought me years worth of of happiness and like enjoyment watching the Rockets. I mean, I I, I feel like if he wins a title this year, um, I'll be happy. I don't know this, you know, I, I had this conversation with DuBose uh, a while back about if Harden gets traded, does it take the burn off a little bit more? Like, does it burn more or less if he wins a title like in Philadelphia with Daryl Morey? Or does it hurt more like if he goes elsewhere, like Brooklyn or one of the other possible locations and wins a title there? And we both kind of agreed that it hurts a little bit less if he does it in in philly with maury because then it's like okay like they can both be kind of justified in what they did like you can maybe look back on some of their ventures as you know members of the rockets franchise and think okay yeah they just came up a little bit short here and there but it kind of ultimately validates what they were trying to accomplish i don't know if i'm going to be able to be necessarily happy about uh, james winning a chip 
uh, as a as a as a Brooklyn net. And maybe that's a little bit selfish on my part, um, but that's just kind of where my head's at. And I could also change. This could just be flavor of the day for me. I could have a change of heart and feel very differently a week from now or even a month from now about that because um, everything's still so fresh right now. But we've got a couple more questions in here I want to tackle. Uh, so from Fivos, uh, just, hey, guys, checking in. Can you please explain the swap situation? Um, so like if there's a swap between Cleveland and Brooklyn, cause we haven't gotten ours yet, et cetera. Um, now Taylor, I'm a little fuzzy on this, but to, to the best of my knowledge, um, the way things are lined up now is the Rockets do have a first round pick like in every year that they would need to have a swap with the nets, which I think was the issue with the pick swaps in the first place, I believe is you can't establish a pick swap vis-a-vis a trade unless you have a pick that could be swapped that season so they have established pick swaps for 21 2021 23 25 and 27 now off the top of my head i believe which of those help me help me remember which of those are the rockets picks uh that they have the right to swap so the swaps would have been the inverse of the rust trade right so you traded away picks in the Russell Westbrook trade and you can't trade in consecutive years. So 22, 24, 26. So the odd numbered years, 21, 23, 25 is where they're getting those swaps at. Okay. And now correct me if I'm wrong. I do believe the Rockets do still have their own 2022nd pick and 2023 pick. Uh, and then I think it's a couple more further down the line than that, but it's, you know, the, the whole situation is a little bit fuzzy right now, but rest assured, as far as this question is concerned, and obviously we'll, we'll hammer out the finer details because everything's still so new right now, um, in, in later episodes, uh, and I'll have a, a very detailed ironed out list of these are the years, this is everything that they have on the table for each of these subsequent seasons, but essentially the Rockets will have the right on those years to swap whatever first round pick they have with the Brooklyn Nets and they get the most favorable of those picks in each of those four years, which is just impressive to go from a team again with, with zero draft capital into a team that has all of this draft capital all of a sudden is, is, is really prominent. Um, now we've got one more. I saw, I knew we had one more over here. Uh, it was, there it is. Um, from Connor, uh, with Harden gone, who becomes the number one option? Is it Wood or more balanced scoring slash playmaking? I'll let you take a crack at this, Taylor. Where's your head at? Um, so my opinion uh, is going to be that it's not going to be a number one option, so to speak. Um, Victor Oladipo coming in, he's currently sitting at a, a usage percentage of 26.7, uh, which is lower than what James Harden typically sat at. Uh, but it was about what Harden was at this year. Uh, presumably he, he's, you know, more understanding of taking, uh, not necessarily, uh, the, the front front runner or the front role, the number, number one, um, you know, role you've got John wall, who's uh, a veteran. He's, uh, looked explosive as all get out. Um, you've got Christian wood, who is just budding into an offensive superstar, um, defense needs a little bit of work, but yeah, yeah we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> He's a young um, guy. I, I think he people, is. people kind of forget that is that he, you know, this is his first role being in a, in a prominent position. And I remember, you know, pulling up 
some of Clint Capella's numbers, uh, you know, from his first year as a starter when he was thrust into the starting role back in 16, 17. And some of the numbers, the advanced numbers are really similar for Clint Capella and Christian Wood. And Wood has all the same tools that Capella has to be a, a good, solid defensive anchor in addition to the really versatile offensive skill set that he brings to the table. So I, yeah. I think that's a very high ceiling for him. I completely agree. And, and you know, you saw that not the first year, but the second year that Clint Capella came in, he had put on some weight and he looked just worlds better, um, you know. And, and mm-hmm. I think um, Christian Wood has like like 30 games against starting NBA centers in his career. Like it takes big guys a while to to get up to that speed. Um, so as far as the number one guy goes, I think it's going to be spread out. I mean, just all over the place. I mean, you might even see like, like Boogie getting, you know, clutch shots. Oh God, if we're getting, if we're, if we're seeing Boogie getting clutch shots, I mean, I wouldn't put it, I wouldn't put it out of the total realm of possibility, but I do think that there's, there's an opportunity now that obviously the James Harden storyline, the James Harden saga was the cloud hanging over this franchise coming into the season. But now that this is finally taken care of, it's resolved and this franchise can move forward without this, you know, looming darkness. There's a lot of interesting storylines to follow. You've got the, you know, you've got John Wall and, uh, and DeMarcus cousins and them teaming back up since they're, you know, the first time since their Kentucky days, as well as their, their injury rehab and, and how those guys look and how they progress through the season. I think so far we can safely say that John Wall has looked uh, really damn good, you know, very much, you know, kind of the, the John Wall of old um, boogie, not quite as, you know, promising compared to what he looked like as far as pre-injury boogie, although mm-hmm. he's, you know, at least moving around, looks healthy um, and will probably have a, a more prominent role now in the, in the post James Harden Rockets era. You've got, Obviously, Christian Wood is the big story, a guy that we've spent some time discussing. You've got all the different role players who now have a chance to really probably flourish because this team found themselves struggling with their identity because, you know, we saw on the court there was this just disconnect between what Silas wanted to accomplish and what he was trying to instill for the team and James Harden not being bought into it. And we kind of attributed that, or at least I did. Maybe I shouldn't say we. A lot of people attributed it to James Harden trying to find the right balance between being, quote-unquote, James Harden and buying into the Silas offense and meshing with that, when in reality, it's just he just didn't care. He was was checked out. He was playing in neutral, whatever you want to call it. And so now we're going to get a legitimate shot to see Silas and his system and guys who are bought in and want to play here and, you know, have a reason to play hard and guys who want to be on the floor, all these different things. And, and hopefully it turns around because I think Steven Silas deserves a legitimate shot to be able to coach some of these guys up and, and actually make a little bit of noise. I'm not completely ruling out the possibility of this team making the playoffs. Are you kind of, have you completely given up on that or are you, where are you at? No, I think they, they definitely, um, they have the talent to to push for a playoff spot. Um, I mean, obviously, they're they're not going to be a they're not going to have home court advantage uh, more than likely. Um, they don't have a lot of uh, you know as much time together as a lot of these other teams. Um, they're they're kind of getting an even later start now, making a trade like this. Um, but that being said, they've got a lot of dudes who just like flat out like hustle, play good defense, play basketball. Like from a from a a like. Um, on the court perspective where they're buying into a system, they're, you know, buddies, they're pals. 
it's not, there's not this huge, just elephant in the room, um, attracting all this attention while you're playing basketball. And I think that one thing that is, you know, to, to circle back to the, the draft package, essentially that they've received, you know, there's a lot of people that are, are again, probably rightfully so a little bit bummed about not getting a, a true cornerstone back in the deal. But the thing about these NBA draft picks is one there, there's two ways that these draft picks are going to convey for the Rockets is they're either going to convey in the form of you actually hit on some guys in the draft, whether they're, they turn into really solid rotation players, or maybe you find that one diamond in the rough and you get really lucky and you get a, a top tight top tier type player out of the draft, you know, for maybe, you know, you, you land on the, in the lottery one to one year or whatever. Um, they have that, but draft picks are also a really liquid asset in the NBA and they're very easy to move. Like the, uh, it's almost like the idea behind a draft pick or the value that, a, that a, that an unconveyed draft pick carries is more beneficial than the actual draft pick and the subsequent player that you pick instead. So I think we're going to be able to see this team, you know, Rafael Stone kind of, uh, you know, loading the chamber essentially to be able to pull the trigger on a deal down the line, whether it's, you know, whether it's flipping John Wall, who looks like a, you know, at least so far, a revamped version of himself, being able to flip John Wall into more assets or to another team for a younger player that fits the timeline of, of Christian Wood and Jay Sean Tate a little bit better, or again, flipping Victor Oladipo at the trade deadline to a team that, you know, is trying to make a, a significant push this season and is willing to take a, a half season rental on him, things like that. He has maintained this insane amount of flexibility. And I think that's so cool to see for a team that has largely been hamstrung these last few years, whether it be the luxury tax, whether it be being stuck in win now mode, whether it be because they've had two max level deals on the, on the payroll, whatever it is, they have a lot more flexibility now to achieve and go whichever direction they want to in the future. And I think that is a really, really promising thing moving forward for this organization. Yeah, without a doubt. And like you said, the the term first round pick has so much more weight than, you know, whatever name player you want to put there, um, especially, you know, pre-draft, like pre-draft first round picks are like gold in the NBA, uh, whether that's a, a, you know, 23rd, 24th, 25th pick, it doesn't matter. The just the term alone, um, you know, GMs and, and teams seem to go crazy for, which is good in the situation. And, and you see Sam Presti just like he's like, I don't care what first round pick you give me, just give me all the all the picks you got, whatever, you know? And you worry about that part later. Um, especially when you're you're trying to, you know, you're trying to find your next superstar. Okay. So you've got, you know, up to eight chances now with the draft. You've got players that you can include to do that. And you've got other shots with some of the players that you can trade right now for more draft picks. I mean, you can't really ask for like a, a better uh, situation than that to try and tr- to try and throw you know darts at the at the wall and see what sticks truly now uh just your total shot in the dark taylor and i'll take one after you do um where do you think they trade pj tucker to not not what do they get back for pj tucker just what championship contender do you think is going to take a flyer on pj tucker and, and and cough up you know an asset or two or whatever to to procure his services for this season i actually think it might be philadelphia since they missed out on Harden, um, they have some some holes that that Tucker could fill, um, and it you know it wouldn't cost them much to do it, um, and they were obviously willing to uh, to to kind of push for that with the James Harden trade. Um, so I, I think that that that's a very reasonable place for him to land. 
You know, I'm, I'm actually, I, I was going to go out East too, but I was actually going to go Celtics. Um, That's you know, a very just, good one. Just kind of looking at, at where they're at with their roster. And again, another team that, you know, potentially, I, I don't know if they quote unquote missed out on James Harden. We obviously, you know, there were apparently uh, upwards of like 10 different teams inquiring about James Harden as soon as they they realized, you know, there was about to be a fire sale and, and him trying to get out of Houston. But uh, the Celtics are a team that I think PJ, you know, again, they've got, you know, Ainge has a has a treasure trove of assets over there himself. And if he's willing to cough up, you know, a first round pick, something that's going to be, again, probably a late first, uh, you know, this season or next year or whatever for P.J. Tucker services, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, so it'll be interesting to follow and see where he goes. Um, hell, maybe the Nets circle back and they uh, they they say, uh, hey, we've got one more like pick that we forgot about or a pair of second rounders or something. And they're like, yeah, oh, they actually I think they do have three second rounders uh, in twenty twenty two. So, yeah, it, the trade isn't official yet. I mean, yeah. you know, we have the reports of the trade, obviously, um, but you know, anything could be, you know, things could be adjusted. You know, guys could be added, removed, that kind of thing. Uh, moving on out of here, but Taylor, I really appreciate you uh, hanging out for this very eventful uh, Locked on Rockets <laughs> podcast, a very historic podcast, kind of uh, discussing the departure of uh, of James Harden, a guy who's been a Houston staple for eight years, and it's a really weird. It's really weird to say those words that James Harden is no longer a Houston Rocket, but it happened. Um, I guess go ahead and uh, go ahead and let our listeners know where they can uh, track you down at. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, so you can follow me on Twitter at Taylor L Pate, um, and you can also uh, we do these Rockets watch parties on Twitch, and they're they're really fun. Um, it's kind of like you know sitting at a bar together or something. And you can uh, you can follow the Apollo Twitch at Twitch.tv/ApolloHOU. Awesome. Again, Taylor, I really appreciate appreciate you taking the time to uh, hang out today. Absolutely. All right. For today's episode, that's going to do it. Um, we'll have you covered on everything going on with this uh, new look version of the Houston Rockets. But as always, thank you so much for hanging out. If you stop by the live, really appreciate it. Ask questions, hanging out, all that good stuff. But uh, really appreciate you listening. And uh, we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.